Welcome back to Tome of Tales. Set in the Cantus Expanse, this episode is a session write-up, run by Ian for the London RPG community on June 23, 2020. The session was part two of the season six finale, called The Red Banner, continuing directly after the events of Fighting Fire with Fire. In it, I played Cheryl the Fey-Touched, a halfling bard from the Feywild. It calls for a bluff. A figure unfolds itself from the shadows in the corner of the command tent, and an erator steps forth. Cheryl steps back masking the start she had at not spotting the figure before they spoke. She sees he wears robes, and maybe leans a little too much on the staff in his hand, though whether because he was stiff, or if it's for show, she is not sure. His eyes sparkle as he continues. We need to stall, buy some time. He gestures to General Cassius. But we also need to sow the seeds of what's to come. He clenches the hand he was gesturing with into a fist. We must appear stronger than we are. What's your idea, Magus? The Fey Bard inquires, her lips lifting into a curious smile. Instead of answering, he opens his hand and in it appears a six-inch-sized version of Marcas. It raises its fist, looking like it's ready to fight. I can do that too. Cheryl breathes a word of Sylvan, and there stands an illusion of the Erator in her palm, pretending to shoot magic from the tips of his fingers. The mage grins. Try touching mine. Curious, Cheryl steps forward and goes to poke the mini Marcas in the chest, but before she can get too close, it smacks her finger away sharply. Ow! She exclaims, more in surprise than hurt. That's quite a solid illusion. Cheryl turns to Marcas. It even hits like you. (laughs) The half-elf gives her a look. My apologies, I should introduce myself first. The Erator says, waving his hand, and the mini Marcas illusion disappears. I am Niklaus Morwing, Archmage of Zot Goran. He bows to Cheryl and her friends. This gambit will work, but only if you. Niklaus points to the small woman and then to the others. Can keep this devil force coming to this camp distracted long enough. A distraction for the distraction, which is also a distraction. Marcas mutters, nodding approval. Coils within coils within coils. It won't be easy, as the magnitude of the spell will require more than just myself to cast it. Some of my best students will be with me, if we are to make enough of you, and to make it believable. I have this spell scroll. 
Bibi says, stepping forward and pulling out a scroll case from her bag. The Archmage comes closer to her, a shift in his excitement. It could be used to block any prying eyes, and keep you safer. Cheryl watches the others discuss the finer details, Taz giving his input from a more on-the-ground perspective. Whilst Arcadius asks if anyone has any fire whiskey on hand, because it's been a long day, and they are clearly not going to be resting yet. Are you alright, Merla? Astra asks her through their telepathic bond. Cheryl senses where she waits outside the tent, and glances in that direction. I am fine, Astra. Just thinking how we are to use illusions and charm to outwit an enemy that's had centuries to plan. Do you worry if it will work? Oh, it will work. Her face shifts, and there's a flicker of light to her eyes that wasn't there before. No one notices the change, though. They are too focused on the maps laid across the table, and the plan they are trying to formulate. Am I not the daughter of Titania? Warrior queen of the Feywild? You are. Astra's tone is reverent. We will get the company ready for the next stage of the assault on the Stygian docks, but all that will be for naught if you do not succeed. General Cassius Razorback's face is grim, but firm. We're counting on you. There's nothing else to say after that. Everyone departs from the tent, going to prep their gear, or gather the few men they are able to take with them from the errant guard. As she comes out, Astra steps up to Cheryl, and there's a look in her companion's silvery blue eyes which was not there before. We have our next role to prepare for, Astra. Are you ready for what may happen? By your side, I am. Cheryl smiles. There is no trace of kindness in it. Braxis Highwatch, former leader of the Errant Guard, stands resplendent in golden armor with a fearsome maul by his side as his men, the Vanguard, come up around him. Enlarged to be seven foot tall, Cheryl is flanked on either side by her friends, Marcas and Taz. Astra stomping her right front hoof in defiance at the Minotaur's preaching orations. Arcadius, Agrain, and Bibi are behind them, hidden amongst the clusters of rock formations for what little bit of cover they can find. Gone is the softness from Cheryl's face. That is not the part she is to play in this battle. She is all sharp edges, blades of grass honed to steel tips with a mighty engine of starfire beneath her, ready to charge at a moment's notice, ready to bring down a summer storm upon them all. Raxus lets his gaze wander over the assembled forces. 
I see some familiar faces here. He says, smirking. I used to be the commander of the errant guard. But I can tell you, all of this, all of what they have prepared. He gestures to them and their small force. It is all a farce. We fight for the greater good. We need Zariel. We need her to win. If the abyss ever overflows and manages to overrun Avernus, there is no stopping them. Our best hope for the multiverse and for Kulgaran is to help Zariel. This is the mission that all of us were born for, trained for, what our entire society was raised for. I stayed loyal to the cause. These people that you fight for, they do not. They have forgotten their history. And it's the mission that today you'll die for. Taz challenges. I hope you're prepared. Braxus sighs, mock pity oozing off him. <laughs> Unfortunate. But if we need to slaughter you here... He lowers his head, letting his minotaur horns come down threateningly. So be it. We will still win. We will still invade the material plane. And we will take what is rightfully ours. With deft precision, Marcus lifts his crossbow and shoots at Raxus, the starting gun that triggers them all into action. Astra leaps up, her wings shooting out, as Cheryl gives out a call that brings the essence of the summer court within her to the forefront, transforming her into the visage of a warrior princess. She sends that essence out to her friends, to weave around their legs, giving them a burst of speed. Marcas, familiar with this tactic, instantly darts forward. Before he gets too close, hand strumming across the harp at her side, the Feobard unleashes a brilliant, mind-rending explosion of energy centered upon the gold-armored Minotaur and radiating out to his men. They all reel at the forces that assail their minds. Images of wild hunts, of fey feasts and revelries, and chaotic music. Several of them clutch their heads in agony at what overwhelms them. Raxus, the worst among them. With another cooling cry, Cheryl instructs Astra to return to the ground and prepare to charge head on. The battle has finally begun. Remembering what the Archmage told them, Taz brings a horn from his saddle up to his lips and blows, rallying the troops. The sixty or so errant guard who are with them, and their illusion doppelgangers alike, charge forward. The vanguard army runs to meet them, and the chaos of battle flanks Cheryl and her friends on either side. It seems to be working. The illusion magic's holding and somehow more believable with Taz's rally. Arrows from Igraine and fire from Arcadius rain down from behind the four in front, as the rock formations come to life and start to batter the warriors around Raxus. Still staggering from the psychic assault from Cheryl's spell, 
the white's Araxis's eyes are very bright as he looks around at the merciless assault. No grin appears on her face, but Cheryl revels in seeing how his sanctimonious pride is already starting to break. He's not so foolish to think the men he has with him will be enough anymore. As one of the Minotaurs peel off to recklessly charge at her, battering Cheryl with his axe and attempting to throw her from Astra's back, Raxus lifts his maul, its glow a beacon to summon his men to him as he calls for aid. Then he starts to call for healing, for him and his men, but Cheryl counters it, vicious Sylvan cutting across the distance between them. Raxus's gaze flicks to her, and their eyes meet. He tries to hide it, but she sees his panic clear as a midsummer's day. The vanguard are weakening. The illusion is holding. Her friends are winning, and Raxus's men are falling. It is Arcadius and Agrain together that bring the golden-armored ex-commander of the Errant Guard to heal. With fire and arrows, Raxus' high watch falls, and with it, the vanguard army is lost without their leader. But the battle is not over yet. As it continues, Cheryl takes beating after beating from the berserker Minotaurs. For every one that she dispatches, another one takes its place. She doesn't let up, though pulling on reserves within herself she has never had to before. Ida's small weasel form squirms next to her breast under her armor as Cheryl tries to keep out of the way of the axes cutting into her, without much success. Ida squeaks, and Cheryl feels like it's coming from Arcadius, probably concerned over how many hits she has taken. I'm fine, but Taz... She looks over to the Dragonborn and sees how he's staggering to stay up. He needs help. Can you? Ida squeaks again and ducks down as the Minotaur swings his axe at her. Astra rears back, battering her hooves into his chest. As she comes down, Cheryl casts a thunderous wave of force out from them. Despite their hearty nature, the loss of their commander seems to have done something to weaken their resolve. One of them is blasted back and is killed outright, whilst the other barely holds on to his life as he is pushed back away from her. Cheryl has Astra fly up and sees Marcas is surrounded on all sides by Minotaurs. Before she can dive down to help the monk, a prickling sensation touches the edge of Cheryl's mind, and with a bang that makes her turn, a portal opens at the base of the ridge where the Archmage and his students are hidden, casting their illusion magics. The ring of orange, yellows, and magenta fire laced with wild magic calls out to her, and she feels the gem and her circlet light up in response. Through it rushes no fire or ash or devils, but a steady stream of gold, red, emerald, and sapphire blue accompanied by high-pitched screams. Not birds, though to the others it may sound like animals. To Cheryl, it is similar to the calls she has been singing across the battlefield 
It is a stream of golden warriors that push through the portal and fan out, passing through the lines of the errant guard and illusions to engage the rest of the vanguard. The Fey warriors of the Summer Court have arrived. Thank you, Femer. Taking heart from seeing the people from her court, Cheryl lets out another war cry and looks to her dragonborn friend. Keep going, Taz. Hold nothing back. His fighting spirit is renewed as her words heal him. Then Astra swoops down, charging forward to hoof the minotaurs around Marcas. Cheryl's dancing blade cutting deep gashes across their flesh. The rest of the battle is a blur of slashes, arrows, and spinning flowers as Marcas takes the last one out with a right hook that tears the crude and rusted red mask from the vanguard's face. The red banner has fallen. Cheryl feels the hum of the battle still coursing through her as Astra stands on the blood-soaked battlefield. The illusion doppelgangers slowly start to pop out of existence until none of them are left, whilst the actual errant guard warriors start tending to their wounded. She is taking stock of her friends, making sure none of them are in desperate need of her help, when movement catches her attention. The Eladrin and Fay coalesce with their leader stepping forward, his intent to speak to Cheryl clear. She inclines her head slightly as the tall, handsome Fay approaches, the two sabers at his side still crackling with energy from the battle. He smiles broadly and bows to her respectfully. As he does, she finally recognizes their heraldry. Merla, it is wonderful to meet you and to see you in action. I am Arvel Morningdew, commander of the Glorious Company, and I bring greetings from Queen Titania herself. It is a great honor to have you here, Cheryl responds. Her words, though sincere, are not without a sense of sovereignty. Words cannot express the gratitude I and my company have at your arrival. Well, the Queen wanted to support you in this dire time, and in this daring expedition. He gestures back to the Fae. And we would not have it, would not have it, for the honour to be bestowed on anyone but us to come and support you. He turns back to her, resting his hand on his chest in veneration. The glorious company will fight at your side until this campaign is done. Excellent, she said, noting his words. There is much still to be done, but you are welcome here. We were expecting nothing less. He steps a bit closer, though his voice still rings out for all to hear. It is wonderful to see that the praise I have heard of your daring deeds on the material plane have not been oversold in any way. What a display! But we certainly hope to prove our own value, as we have done on countless battlefields, on many planes before. The Fey Bard quirks an eyebrow at the praise, but is still appreciative of it. I look forward to it. 
My companions and I will make sure that it is known you are here with us. He nods to her, then inclines his head to the others. Cheryl glances to her friends, very aware of how different she has been acting this whole time. There is a brief moment where she worries about what they must think of the sudden appearance of the Fae. But then she remembers who she is with, people with whom she would trust her life. Everyone has different sides to them, but what matters right now is where they are and what they are doing. Cloris Skysplitter comes up and introduces herself to Arvel, expressing her gratitude for the additional help. Niklaus Morwing and his students start to come out from behind the protective sanctum Bibi had cast, the Archmage praising some of his students for their excellent execution of the spell. Coming over to the Fey Bard and her friends, smiling broadly, he congratulates them for a battle well fought. Yes, I think this went admirably well, just the way I thought it would. The illusions were pretty sick, agrees Egraine. Cheryl notices the half-drow has covered her face with a cloth half-mask. Unfortunately, I fear that trick is probably not going to be workable again. My students and I are quite drained, and I'm not sure if they would fall for it again. But it certainly bought us the time that we needed. Back at the forward war camp, whilst everyone begins a short respite to tend to their wounds properly, having returned to her normal size, Cheryl shares a private moment with Astra. I am glad the Fae are here, she says through their bond, leaning into the winged unicorn's strong leg. I wondered if the queen would send help when I messaged her. I did not wish to mention it beforehand, to offer unintentional false hope to people when hope is all anyone may have. The strength of the Summer Court is no small thing. I am sure they will help us immensely. Cheryl nods. Her muscles ache and the wounds she has thrum a little. She really should rest, but her heart keeps racing. Something troubles you, Merla. What is it? She sighs a little and pushes herself back to look up at Astra's starlight eyes. Though they share this bond, there are some things Cheryl keeps to herself. But there are thoughts she has been having for a while, and she wonders if now is the time to voice them. Am I, Merla? Or am I Cheryl? They have been separate for a while, but now I see the lines starting to blur. Is this more of a crisis of identity or a question of where you belong? 
there's a long pause. I think I know the answer in my heart. It's just finding a way to accept it. She tries to swallow the lump in her throat. There's so much I want to be. So much I want to do. But who knows if we'll even survive the next battle. Astra brings her head down, and she lightly plays with the braids in Cheryl's hair, comfortingly, not saying anything for a time. We should rest for what little time we can. We will be fighting again before too long. Astra finally says. Cheryl nods, eyes closing briefly as she once again feels the wounds ache. Come. Astra starts to kneel, but Cheryl shakes her head. No, she says kindly but firm. I must walk, else my muscles will get stiff. Cheryl starts to make her way back ahead of Astra. From her right, the winged unicorn catches sight of a pair of fey warriors watching the fey bard as she makes her way with careful, regal grace through the camp, back to where her mortal friends are. Astra stares at them, until the two realize they are being watched. They do a hasty bow, and move off to where the rest of the glorious company are encamped. Astra's starlight blue eyes trace their steps until they are out of sight. Then... She easily catches up with her mistress, just as Cheryl pulls out her harp and starts to play a restful song for herself and her friends. This has been a write-up of the session, The Red Banner, run by Ian. Set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign run by the London RPG community. Marcas Vernala and Arvel Morningdew were voiced by Alex Allen. Bibi was voiced by Rianne Vardelion. Raxus Highwatch was voiced by Gwydion Evans. Interested in playing games with us? Want to find a place to run some games? Check out the meetup events and join us on Discord. All the links are in the description. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for the next chapter in Cheryl's story.